Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Drivers, start your engines! What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back to the NASCAR DFS podcast, streamed through the Better Sports Network app. I'm Dan Malin, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Sells, the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year. We are fresh off a week at Martinsville, and we are now going to a track completely opposite of Martinsville. Gone is the half-mile flat track, and we are now at a 2.66-mile super speedway with over 30 degrees of banking in the turns. Matt, how are you? I know we don't really get too excited for Talladega from a DFS perspective. It's it's a much better race to bet if you can find the right long shot odds. But you know, how are you feeling coming off of Martinsville and heading to, uh, guess the second or third super speedway track, depending on how you look at the schedule? Yeah, I mean it depends on how you count uh, Atlanta, right? Yeah. Like, is it actually a super speedway or whatnot? Uh, I thought Martinsville was an interesting race. I'm not going to say it was good. I'm not going to say it was bad. Um, it's an interesting race. I thought strategy and pit decision had a lot more to do with it than who was actually fast. Although I will say for those of you saying you couldn't pass late, what did Kyle Larson and Martin Truex do in the closing laps? Cause they were flying and passing people without clean air. Um, but yeah, Talladega is far different. We go from the shortest track on the schedule and the one that's been on the schedule for the longest to the longest track on the schedule two point well the longest oval i should say there are road courses that are longer but the largest oval on the schedule at 2.66 miles per lap so um yeah this one is highly unpredictable uh flashback to daytona who had ricky stenhouse jr winning the daytona 500 i mean i know he's a good plate racer but these tracks produce a whole bunch of wild cards um but I, I, I like what you were saying with betting the, the long shots. If you're going to bet, betting long shots here is, in my opinion, the, the more fun way to do it. Sure, you could bet the favorite, but uh, this is where you really make it. Like, Stenhouse was, what, 40 to 1 at Daytona? Yep. Um, You know, McDowell's hit at 66 to 1 a couple years ago. We saw Almarola hit at Talladega a few years ago at longer odds. Cindric was what was Cindric last year for the Daytona 500? He was 
I can't remember. If I wanted to guess, I'd probably say 50. I mean, he – He was somewhere in the 30 to 50 range, somewhere in there. Yeah, It was a rookie, and he's a Penske driver, but he was still a rookie in, right. you know, his, his full season debut in NASCAR. And, and right. still impressive that he won. It's just he hasn't done anything since. He's still in that hangover. Yeah, I mean, that's a very long they don't hangover, <laughs> to be honest. So – uh, this pod's going to be a little different. A, we're recording it on Thursday morning, um, East Coast time. It's about 1130 in the morning, Thursday morning right now. Um, typically, we record NASCAR pods on Saturday following cup practice and qualifying so we know where guys are starting and how the strategy and the slate breaks down. None of that matters for Talladega. <laughs> this is like Drew Carey on uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? We award the points, but the points don't matter, right? Like, <laughs> Like... Who cares where anybody's starting? Because you can win from literally anywhere at Talladega. Yeah. So, um, so we will dive into the 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 strategies. Um, yes. Probably offer up some bets if we can find any. Um, unfortunately, I only have access to DK Sportsbook. They drop their lines later than almost every other book, and they're usually the worst when they do drop them. Um, but for overall, from a DFS perspective, you know, last week was I always advise people that you know Martinsville is one of my favorite. Uh, tracks for DFS. Uh, <clears throat> I did pretty well with the Xfinity Series race, not so much on the Cup Series race. But what is the general bankroll approach for Talladega? I know how I approach it with just you know three tournament or three GPP lineups. I'll play them in some you know definitely the Chrome Horn, which is like four dollars per entry, and then some three entry max contests as well. But you know I always scale back how much I play for Talladega just because. You know, we've we've seen enough races at Atlanta now uh, between this year and last year and Daytona and Talladega. And it's just you, you can put all the research in and know how to build the proper lineup. But at the same time, like you're, you're just still trying to fight against a lot of just unknown factors of this race. Yeah, your guy could be having a great race and then some guy 17 cars in front of him has a problem. And all of a sudden your guy gets caught up in it, a blink of an eye and, you know. It just happens. Even even guys who are really good plate racers, and we'll talk about a few of them. Um, you know, the, to give you to give you an idea, right? If you look over the last eight Talladega races, Ryan Blaney has the best average finish in that span at nine point nine. He's barely averaging a top ten over eight races. Okay, to put that in perspective, last week for Martinsville. And the you know two weeks before that for Richmond, you had like seven dudes averaging better than a top ten finish over the last eight of those eight or ten of those races. So that's just how unpredictable um, this <clears throat> this track can be. Is that even even the best guys, even Logano and Blaney, and to a degree Chase Elliott, um, they they all have average finishes of like tenth or worse. <laughs> So it's it's highly it's highly volatile, and for that reason, I also generally play uh, light. And this is a different. So let's dive into cores a little bit because you and I have been building with cores, you know, core plays for a while. So we'll come up with three or four guys that we like to pair together, um, and then just fill in the others and get some exposure to to other folks. Are we doing that this week, or are you putting different? Everybody's different in in different lineups. If I'm doing three lineups, I'm already operating with a 
much smaller player pool or driver pool in general. So I, I'm not opposed to, you know, finding three guys that I really like that are starting further back, but also offer a good amount of leverage as well. I think that, you know, we talk about all the time in cash games, like you, you will see DFS players that just played the six drivers starting in the back. And you can easily catch that day, assuming that they all move up and they are, are, and you may even only need four or five of them to actually finish the race. And, you know, for cash games, you can handle a driver wrecking out here and be perfectly fine. Um, You'll see probably a lot harder. Yeah. You'll see probably 20 to 25% of cash lineups, maybe uh, playing just drivers starting well outside the top 30. And then you just kind of go from there and you just eat the chalk. Um, So, but if I'm doing tournaments, I'm, I don't hate the idea of having a two or three driver core and then just building in other tournament plays that are starting probably a little bit higher that'll have less ownership, but maybe a little bit more win equity because the ultimate lineup in the tournament, you, you still want the winner. Um, it's really hard to hammer down dominator points at a super speedway because the fastest laps are typically more spread out. Although right. we could see one or two drivers each lead, 30 to 40 laps maybe and you know could even drop that down to like 20 or 30 laps but again those dominator points are useless if they're not finishing well uh so i think like if i'm gonna have a core i probably want a good core of two or three drivers that are starting pretty far back offering plenty of pd but also guys that are that are going to be lower owned as opposed to like if denny hamlin goes out and he qualifies poorly outside the top 25 that's going to be a very popular tournament play and so if I'm only doing three lineups and I want to go for a larger takedown, I would just not play Denny Hamlin, but still find leverage elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm with you again. It's going to depend. <clears throat> Look, you can feel free to max enter whatever you want. Um, if you max enter, it widens your player pool. If you do that, however, do not go above like 35% exposure to any one driver. Yeah. Uh, because, again, literally anything can happen in these in these races. I've thought about max entering the 50 cent mini max. You can get 150 lineups in there for just 75 bucks. Now, granted, I, I typically would want to only play maybe 40 to 50, but if I was to max enter, at least I could just get plenty of exposure to a lot of drivers. I can widen my driver pool. And then really in that format, it only takes one of those line, one of those 150 lineups to pay off and you can have yourself a big day. Yep. Um, if you do max enter, I would definitely do it on a smaller, um, <laughs> something that's not going to cost you your mortgage payment for your <laughs> max center. Uh, Cause that's not exactly the best idea at Talladega. Um, I will say that my cores for these, these races tend to be built around manufacturers rather than grouping specific drivers. That doesn't mean they have to be on the same team. Just means like we're looking to group Fords together or group <clears throat> together, sprinkle in some Toyotas. Cause there's only like six or seven of them on the track at any given weekend. Um, but that's because you'll see as you watch the races that these teams and manufacturers operate together. They will pit the Fords together. They will try and pit all of the Chevys together. Although for some reason, Chevy usually seems to be discombobulated and winds up pitting half of theirs with the Fords. Um, and then Toyota will just go with whoever the biggest group is that's pitting. Cause that helps them get the, you know, not lose the draft. Right. So, you know, with, with that in mind, that's how I'm, building my lineups this weekend um i'm not fully stacking the back there's a lot of people that do that you can do that for cash just show up on a sunday afternoon and say okay these are the six guys starting you know 33 through 37 or whatever um 
and just plug them in and then hope for chaos and then you're good to go in cash that's you're not gonna you're not gonna win a gpp that way gpps are far more nuanced um even at a volatile track like talladega we're usually looking for a guy who's starting in the top 10 and then we're going to put one guy starting 11th through 20th and then the rest of them we're usually going to go between 21st and 28th those are usually the guys that pay off the best you can sprinkle in some starting after 30 but um you know over over the history of doing this the return on investment on those guys they rarely hit the 5x value we're looking for Mm -hmm. um it's much more likely that a guy starting like 28th hits it rather than a guy starting 35th um so you know that that's kind of how i'm building mine we will get qualified well this way we should get qualifying on saturday morning i know there's a chance of rain um i don't think it's all that high though and if we don't then it doesn't particularly matter because it's not like we're targeting the pole sitter anyway yeah (laughs) like laps led don't really matter. I mean, sure, they differentiate you a little bit. It's nice to get them if right. in stage two or even in stage late in stage one. I don't think that we would see this late in stage one, but in stage two or early stage three at super speedways, we do just tend to get long green flag single file runs. It's yep. boring. And basically, once you see a long single file run on a green flag uh, at a super speedway, you might as well just take a nap go do something else and then come check back in with about 10 to 15 laps to go because that's when they actually start to race for the win. Well, I mean, I would tune in sooner than that, maybe 50 to go, but um, I mean, I can't refute that. That's that tends to be what happens, especially in stage two stage one. People are trying to figure out what exactly they have so that they can make adjustments if need be. Um, But you're not going to see a whole lot of, there's not a lot of pit stops to change. Uh, strategy here. The beginnings of the race tend to be fairly calm. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if we go the whole stage one clean, unless somebody has a tire go down or <clears throat> somebody gets really loose. But I don't think you're. We, we I clean Talladegas. I think, yeah, and that's actually no, I, I've already started writing out my Xfinity Series playbook for the Talladega race. And one thing I did know is that the last couple super speedway races, especially I think last fall's Talladega race, was a very boring race. Um, you know, you're not going to see too many teams, you know, going for it all earlier in the stages. You know, everyone seems to know that you just need to be alive on the final, in the last, you need to be on the lead lap, obviously, in the final stage. Uh, so I don't think we tend we will see as aggressive of a super speedway race. I think if there's going to be a wreck, it's they're all going to come late in stage three as teams try to maneuver their, themselves up to the front. Um, but I am curious because we always say, you know, there's no need for practice at a super speedway. Even when they did practice, you never really did practice notes. But, you know, for teams that haven't looked great this year, and I'm specifically what I'm thinking about is Legacy Motor Club. Uh, with yeah, no they've looked terrible. They've looked terrible. But this is also the kind of track where you it doesn't really matter what the recent run has been. Right. Uh, because any driver can – it's it's a level playing field for all the cars and all the teams this week. So are you okay going to a driver like Eric Jones, regardless of where he starts, because he does have a really good resume and a good history on this style of track? 
Yeah, and he looked – I mean, that's basically the only race that the 43s looked good at this year was Daytona. Like, he looked, I guess, okay <clears throat> to start Atlanta. Um, Finished sixth in both Dega races last year. Yeah, so – and he's got wins mm-hmm. at, at um, these races. So, I'm perfectly fine with that. You will see guys who are known plate racers. Uh, have elevated ownership this week. So Eric Jones is a guy like that. Corey LaJoy is a guy like that. Um, even if people hate him, Bubba Wallace is a guy like that. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the two Penske, well, I guess all three Penske guys, two of them are the most expensive guys on DK. The other one comes with a bargain for his equipment because he hasn't done anything um, at seven grand. So, yeah, I mean, I think we can certainly take shots on guys like that. I would even be fine taking shots on guys who've recently been penalized, like one Mr. Austin Dillon, who has a different crew chief this week, because these races really don't, like, missing crew chiefs at these races isn't that big of a deal. It's not like the strategy calls that we saw at Martinsville that made all the difference late, right? It's, hey, the Chevys are pitting now, let's pit. And then as long as you avoid the wreck, we've got a shot to win this thing. So is the overall sentiment this week, whether it's betting, uh, because I believe uh, when we look at DraftKings Sportsbook, for example, constructor, constructor manufacturer odds, you know, the Chevys are going off at plus 125. Um, it makes sense because they were running up front late and, um, you know, Stenhouse did win the Daytona 500, but Ford is not too far behind at plus 140 and Toyota is at plus 330, simply because there's only like six cars in the field for Toyotas. But should we, is the general sentiment that the way that they set up the cars and just the aerodynamics of the Fords, that they are probably, they should be the presumed favorites to win this race? They should be. Um, you know, it, it's long been my belief that the grill on the Ford helps with the pushing and the drafting because <clears throat> the squarest grill. Um, no, I wasn't doing the, the you can't see me now thing i was just pointing out it's a it's a very flat grill on the on the front of the ford which means it lines up well with the bumper so you know pushing is a lot easier because if you get a little off center left or right you can spin the guy and cause a massive wreck so i do think that you know given the fact that all of the engines are basically the same i'm going to go with the aerodynamics of the car um it also doesn't hurt that ford typically has some of the best plate racers in their stable um that's shifting a little bit now but i still i still i would take the slightly longer odds on fords than the chevy because i think they have pretty equal chances to win so i may as well get a little bit more return for my investment all right uh should we just dive in and maybe just preview a few players or a few drivers rather yeah cool uh, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, we briefly talked about them. Uh, they are Team Penske. I might as well just go team by team and, and with specifics. Um, Austin Sindrick, uh, since his Daytona 500 win, hasn't done much, but still $7,000 for a Team Penske car. It is a Ford, and we just you know talked about what makes them so good aerodynamically on this style of track. Um, I'm guessing there's no real issue with Logano, Blaney, or Sindrick, um, even regardless of, of where they qualify, correct? No, I mean... <clears throat> Would we have liked to have seen more out of them this year? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to to you know refute that, but Logano um, did win Atlanta. 
He did win Atlanta. He did finish second at Daytona. So, you know, there is that. And by the way, the laps led at, at Atlanta is ridiculous because it's still a mile and a half track. So don't look at Atlanta and go, oh, he led 140 laps. He could lead over 100. On it's much easier to lead the laps at Atlanta. Okay, well, there's 300-something laps in the, you know, or 267 laps in that uh, Atlanta race. There's only like 100 and. 88 uh, happening <laughs> on Sunday. So there's decidedly fewer laps. I don't have a problem with anybody from Team Penske. I think short people are going to be on Austin Sindrick to get the same equipment and a guy who's won at these tracks at a steep discount. Uh, sticking with the Fords, uh, Stuart Haas Racing is actually kind of all over the place in terms of pricing. Uh, yes. Kevin Harvick. Uh, is at 7,800. Chase Briscoe, 79. Uh, Brian Priest, 73. They're all in this 7K range, which is actually kind of insane just because you know they do have the manufacturer advantage, um, but they're all just priced like in the 7K range. And you know, we've said like Eric Almarola is a pretty good plate racer. He won his duel at Daytona back in February. You know, he started fourth. Um, it, I, I, ha, I feel like with SHR, it always boils down a little bit more to where they qualify. Um, but at the same time, like they will have speed. Uh, they were, they all looked very fast last week at Martinsville. Obviously, different beast this week with Talladega. But it probably, whereas Penske, we can probably just you know pay for Logano and Blaney for the win equity. I don't feel as good about SHR having as much win equity, and the sportsbooks will show that. Uh, but overall, very friendly price tag. And this is a week also where line of construction, it doesn't really matter. Uh, salary doesn't matter. You can Correct. leave thousands of dollars. You can leave anywhere from five to $10,000 on the table. I've seen optimal lineups at super speedways where they leave over 20 grand on the table. Um, Especially so if week, you're playing FanDuel, by the way, because everybody starting in the back is like two grand. So you can, right. make, you can <laughs> make a lineup and leave like... 40 grand on the table on FanDuel. Do I recommend it? No, but you can. It's and, it's the um, one week where you truly just don't need to spend all your salary. And, and a lot of casual players still end up, you know, spending between I think 98 and 100% of the budget. Uh so, you know, if if you're leaving a ton of money on the table and just comfortable, you know, building a sound lineup based on, you know, one driver in the top 10 and another, you know, in the teens and then a couple other drivers starting outside the top 20 you know, and just leave money on the table, you're off to a really good start with your lineup build. But overall, it's going to depend on where position and where they start for SHR, correct? Yeah, probably. I mean, I probably feel most confident about Kevin Harvick. But he's the Fair. best driver in that on that team. So, they, they, you know, they go hand in hand. Um, I thought Priest looked pretty good at Daytona before he had an issue. Um I don't know what to expect from Almirola at this point because everywhere he's been that we thought he was going to be good, he hasn't been. Um, so, and and Briscoe's a wild card just about every week. Let's shift on over to Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, Chase Elliott has some super speedway uh, success, as do, as does William Byron. So, and Byron in general has just been on fire this year. Uh, last week was a bit of a dud and very disappointing at Martinsville. Um, but Kyle Larson is interesting because he probably goes out and qualifies very well. Uh, yeah. He's going to be qualifying, I believe, last of the 40 drivers trying to make this race, and then he'll probably make it into the top 10 for qualifying. He's won two out of the last three races here, but he finished outside the top 30 in Atlanta, uh, and he started second at Daytona but finished 18th. 
just not a very good plate racer, and he's even mentioned this before. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think he's still not over the shock of winning in Martinsville, to be honest, because um, he never thought he was going to win there. Um, you know, Hendrick is usually very quick at these super speedways. I mean, Alex Bowman's been on the front row, I think, what, six straight years at Daytona mm-hmm. um, for the 500. So they usually have speed, but it hasn't necessarily translated to good finishes. Like, for example, in the last six races at Talladega for Kyle Larson, keep in mind, this is out of a sample of eight. He missed two because of the year he was suspended. Um, his average starting spot in that time is 7.7. His average finish is 27th. So not to just pick on him, there's plenty of guys that, that do that. But if we're looking at Hendrick, you know, Chase Elliott's average starting spot is 11th. His average finish is 12.8, which I think is second or third best in the field this week, which tells you (laughs) how these races normally go, right? Bowman, Starts in the top 10, usually finishes just outside the top 20. Not to say these guys don't have top 20s or can't run well. They just historically, when you average them together, not not quite as good. Byron's probably the second best guy um, in terms of historical runs here. Uh, so, again, if they're qualifying up front, it might take some heat off of their ownership. Um, but I would be very careful with Kyle Larson. I think a lot of people are going to be on him because he's just looked fast, and I'm not sure that's going to, you know, pay off for them. Um, should we be excited about the RCR cars, Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon? Uh, they both were in contention to win at Daytona. Kyle Busch was running up front at the time of a late caution. Uh, I think it was from Daniel Suarez, but you know, assuming that all things are. I, mean, I get the sense that Kyle Busch is kind of over the super speedway racing. Anytime like his truck team yeah. has to go to a super speedway, he wears a shirt that says it's the most expensive weekend of the year. Um, it's it's frustrating, and it, it really just all comes down to you know where you're on the final lap. But assuming that we can get these guys in the teens, maybe. Uh, and Austin Dillon's won the Daytona 500 before, so. Uh, yeah, he's also coming off a penalty, so he's going to want to get some points back. He has a right. different crew Justin Alexander, who... It's a good track for him to go get those points back. Yeah, I think Justin Alexander actually helps him on top of the pit box, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably higher on Austin Dillon than Kyle Busch. They both did look good at Daytona, but historically speaking, Austin Dillon's a better plate racer. Um, assuming JGR were... Transitioning to the Toyotas, JGR and uh, 23XI Racing. I mean, the noted ones are going to be Denny Hamlin because he's won the Daytona 500 three times, uh, and Bubba Wallace just because he's had plenty of success uh, at Daytona and Talladega with the win at Dega, uh, even though it was a shortened race due to weather. It still counts. Um, are there any other super speedway drivers from the Daytona Toyota make? Sorry, uh, someone like maybe even Christopher Bell. Yeah, I think Toyota could be sneaky. Now, just because they've had success at Daytona does not mean that they will have success at Talladega and vice versa. Like, we've seen numbers on, you know, Kozlowski and Logano and whatever, and then you look at their Daytona numbers and they don't necessarily match up. Well, the same thing can be said for Denny Hamlin. Even though he dominates at at Daytona, he's only been okay at Talladega for whatever reason, whether it be the slightly longer track, the slightly longer run to the finish, the steeper banks compared to Daytona. Not sure. But my, you know, 
Bubba would be the top Toyota play for me simply because he's just very good at plate racing. Um, the last few plate races, he's been the one that's led the Toyotas. He's been making the calls on when they pit and where they go through the line and you know whatnot. But don't be shocked if you play these guys and then you watch them drop back. A lot, a lot of the Toyota guys, including Denny Hamlin, will start real high and then people yeah. will play them and then they'll go, why is he running 36th? Because this is what he does. He just hangs out in the back waits for half the field to wreck out and then moves up and then goes and steals the top five again. So, you know, you, you'll see a bunch of guys do that. They just peel out when they feel the energy in the pack isn't right. And then they just leave, you know, they, you know back out. Um, I don't know what to do about Martin Truex Jr. To be honest, I feel like he's run better than his results show. Which yeah. we say basically every week. <laughs> I mean, I can sum it up and just say like, it depends on where he starts. Yeah, That's I, if these guys are starting in the pack, I don't want like really any parts of them to be honest. Uh, we have a few minutes left. Uh, who are some value plays that we should be keeping an eye on this week? You know, Austin Hill opened as a twenty to one favorite in a Beard Motorsports car. Uh, he's now forty five to one on DraftKings Sportsbook. I still don't think he should be touching that. But you know, who are some value plays that we're looking at this week? Um, I mean it. it for payoff, I feel like Ty Dillon actually has a, a decent shot here this week. I know that car has been terrible. He's been atrocious basically all year. Daytona did not go his way, to be honest. He was dead early in Daytona. He was, was dead early. like Massively overweight compared to the field. Yeah. He uh, – yeah. It was <laughs> – it was not, not great. His engine died like two laps into the race. Yeah. Not a ringing endorsement, I understand, but – there's still a shot. Harrison Burton actually looked good last year at Daytona until he got flipped upside down. Um, I, I think he's a, I think he's another guy who runs better than his results show. I kind of um, like AJ Allmendinger because he finished. He started 30th and finished 16th at Atlanta. Uh, I do and finished sixth at Daytona. Yeah, that's a good point. Lejoy in this range is obviously going to be the guy that Brandon everyone is. looks at, and Justin Haley. So mm-hmm. I think like. Your point on Almondinger is nice because he's sandwiched between Haley and LaJoy, who are two dudes that everybody goes to for yeah. plate tracks because Justin Haley's like 70% of his wins or something are at plate tracks. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, and then, like, in this grouping, right, if we go below 7K on DK, we got McDowell, Jones, Ty Gibbs, Justin Haley, Almondinger, LaJoy. I will bet you that Almondinger is the lowest played dude of all of those guys. I would probably agree with you. Um, I mean, Gibbs probably second lowest. Just because it's Ty Gibbs and, like, the other dudes have wins. Well, LaJoy doesn't have a win at these tracks, but he always is in contention for a top in contention, yeah. Uh, McDowell's got a Daytona 500 win. Cindric has a Daytona 500 win. Jones has won um, multiple plate tracks. Justin Haley has won a Daytona race. So, yeah, that's a sneaky, sneaky spot for those guys. Yeah, there's a, there's plenty of upside in the value range this week, but uh, keep an eye on where they all qualify uh, and join Matt and myself in the NASCAR DFS Discord this weekend. Uh, Matt, is there anything else you want to touch on or we get to send the people on their merry way? Uh, no, I mean, we'll have content out this weekend. My betting piece will be up on pickswise.com on Friday. Uh, it'll be free. Then there's the playbook that will come out Saturday. Uh, projections 
Um, if a guy's not in the playbook, doesn't mean you can't play him. I'm just picking the dudes who I feel have the best chance to help you win money. So uh, look for that. Core plays will be out Saturday, and I'll be in Discord all weekend. All right. Thank you so much, man. Best of luck to you, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.